Amen. Wow. That's some good praise uh, music. Amen. Good worship music. Um, let's give those guys a hand clap of praise, guys. Come on now. Amen. Amen. It's a pleasure and an honor to be standing in for Brother Marvin today with you guys here. Um, one day I'm going to get to preach when he's not sick. Amen. Um, but we're going to continue to pray for, for him. Um, I know they're getting better. I think, like she said, uh, he said Diane is, is back to normal. He should be back here preaching next Sunday. So don't worry, you'll get to hear some good preaching next Sunday. Amen. So uh, if you got your word, please turn to uh, Psalms 56, Psalms chapter 56 today, and I'm going to be camping out probably in 8 through 11, but I always love coming here uh, to you guys. I love uh, country churches. I consider this a country church. Everybody's so nice. Everybody's wanting to know if I went fishing yesterday, amen. Uh, I did go fishing yesterday, amen, and um, I went, actually I went bass fishing and caught some bass, then after that, I, I, I went home, took a shower, got cleaned up, and went fishing again. Uh, but that time I went fishing for souls. Let me just tell you, fishing for souls is way, way better than fishing for fish. Way, way better. Amen. If you hadn't tried that lately, try it. Amen. Wow, just to watch God show up and show out. He does what he does. I mean, he's faithful and uh, he's true. And so whenever I go out and speak about him, you know, that's the fulfilling part. That's, that's my purpose here part as a child of his. Amen? Amen. Because listen, he didn't just save us to come to church on Sunday. He's got something for us to do. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for us. And so, um, wow, I better, I better get back to my passage or I'm going to be preaching something else here today. And so, um, Psalms 56, verses 8 through 11. I'm going to move this down just a minute to, uh, so it won't click so bad. You guys hear me okay? Amen. I can say I ran off and forgot my young man's glasses. Here we go. If, if you found it, Psalms 56, please stand for the reading out of reverence to God. Please stand for the reading of His Word, Psalms 56, 8-11. through 11. Here we go. You have taken account of my wonderings, put my tears in your bottle, or are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Verse 10, In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Wow, let's pray. Wow, thank you for your word, God. We know you have given it to me to speak it to your people today. It's my prayer, Father, that you just take over this message today, God, that you just flow out of me and flow onto your people today, Father. Show us great and mighty things we've never seen. Tell us great and mighty things we haven't heard. God, we're here to fellowship with, with you today. Communicate with us today, Father. God, nobody came to hear me. They came to hear a word from you, me included. God, speak to our hearts today. We need you. We need you so bad, God. And I can't wait to, to, to see what you do here today. We have all come with expectations today, Father, me included. 
So God, I pray that the saints get encouraged and I pray that the lost get saved. Only you can do it, God. Won't you do it, God? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Yeah, here we see David and man, David's just in a, he's just in a rough spot right here in his life. Oh, you may be seated. He's in a rough spot right here in his in his life. He he's found himself in in a predicament here, and although he's under thirty years of age right here, continual terrors and toils have attended him. He's hunted day and night in the mountains like a deer. Man, he's just up against it right here. He has no rest. He has no peace. He can get no comfort. I don't know if this is the time in David's life where Saul is pursuing him and he's after him and he's chasing him. I don't know, but I know that bad people are after David right now and he can't get away from it. He's being constantly attacked right here. But this is what David says. You know, he takes great comfort in the fact that God saw every step he took. He took he, he took great comfort here uh, knowing that God saw every step he took down every weary path he went down. And God saw every tear David cried. That gave him great comfort to know that. Let me just tell you guys something. God sees the afflictions of his people. God sees what you're facing right now. God knows what you're going through right now in your life. I mean, this, this, this life can be hard sometimes. It can be tough just getting to tomorrow sometimes. We do have trials and tribulations. We go through hard times. Bad things happen to good people. We live in a fallen world. But listen, God sees every tear you cry. Wow. That gives me great comfort knowing that my God knows what I go through every second of every day. You know, I, I tell people, He's a God of details. He's in the, even the smallest detail of your life each and every day. That brings me comfort to know that God sees the stuff that I'm in. He knows every worry. He knows every fear. He knows every heartache. He knows every struggle. He knows it all. He sees it all. He knew the fight that David was going in at that time, and he knows the fight that you're having right now. He knows it all. He sees it all. It may be all kind of fights. We struggle with all kind of stuff. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's consequences of the pandemic. I don't know. Maybe it's financially. Maybe, you know, it's health issues. It could be, um, perhaps it's with the marriage. It could be anything that we're struggling with. God knows it. God sees it. Even uh, when uh, King Hezekiah becomes mortally ill in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5, and I've talked about Hezekiah before. Uh, I remember when God told Isaiah, right, his prophet, hey, go tell the king, basically, he's about to die. He needs to get his stuff in order. He's, he's about to die. And so uh, Isaiah says he goes and tells the king, thus saith the Lord, to set your house in order, for you will surely die and not live. And so the Bible says that when he tells Hezekiah that, Hezekiah immediately turns to the wall there in his place and he starts praying. He starts praying. 
This is what God says in 2 Kings 20, verse 5. God says, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. That's what he says. I've heard your prayer. Hey, King Hezekiah, I've seen your tears. And, of course, he tells Isaiah, hey, go back and tell him. I'll, I'll grant him 15 more years to live. So, wow, wow, God sees what we're going through. He knows our struggles. He knows our tears. He knows our heartache. He knows all of that. No matter how bad things get, God sees our predicament. Then David makes a profound declaration in verse 9. He says, this I know, that God is for me. This I know that God is for me. Listen, y'all, all I know is if you'll embrace this truth right here from God, if you'll embrace that, it, it, it will, everything in your life will change. It, it, it'll change, I'm telling you. It'll change. When we get it, when we start understanding that Almighty God, the God that created me, when we start getting that the God that made me is for me, That's a game changer right there. That changes everything about my life. No matter where I go, no matter who I encounter, no no matter what bad things I, I walk through, what weary path I travel down, just know this, that God is for you. He's not against you. Hey, and that, that, that brings in to play Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Man, that's a game changer right there. I don't walk into a prison anywhere without thinking this scripture right here. And I've gone in some very bad prisons before. One time they dressed me up in a full Kevlar bodysuit with a helmet. I couldn't even walk. I was just coming waddling in there, right? And the whole time I'm thinking, but hey, wait a minute. If God's for me, who can be against me? I didn't need that. I didn't need nothing. I didn't need any armor with me. If God is for me, come on. Amen, preacher. Man, that's a game changer when we embrace that. For this I know that God is for me. It changes everything. That, you know what that means? That means everything, that, that, everything bad that happens in my life, God didn't cause that. He didn't cause that. He's for me. You see how it changes everything? How many people do I know get mad at God about stuff? They get mad at God all the time. Well, God didn't heal somebody. God, God didn't do this. God didn't get me that job. I'm, I'm having marriage, marriage problems. And God didn't heal my marriage. Da-da-da-da-da. God you know, God don't do this. And God's mad at me. No, wait a minute. God is for you. He's for you. That changes everything to me. That don't mean we're not going to have trials and tribulations. Yes, we are. But quite frankly, it's more likely the consequences of our sin that's after us, amen, because all sin's got consequences. That's a whole new different thing. I'm not talking about the consequences of our sin. I'm just talking about things that just happen in our lives, and then we think, wow, man, God must not like me today. Nope, that's a lie right there. He likes you. He likes you every day. Matter of fact, he's for you every single day. Doesn't that change things? Man, that makes things so much. That, 
that takes away all the complications that happen in my life that I think, well, I, must, I must have did something to make God mad or something. <laughs> oh, man. Ma'am, God's for you. Sir, God's for you. He's not against you. The God that spoke a word and created this universe is on your side. How can you lose if he's fighting for you? How can, who can defeat him? Who can defeat Almighty God? Come on, somebody. So whatever you're dealing with right now, just know this, God is sovereign. He is sovereign over it. He is for you. He's not against you. His desire is to help you, not hurt you. His desire is to help you, not hurt you. Now, yes, when we sin, there's consequences of that. He chastens those he, uh, those he loves. Uh, when, when you need correcting because of some sin that you did, He corrects you. That may not feel good when it's happening, but it's because He loves you. Amen? So, but I'm not talking about those things. In the big picture, I mean, He does that because He's for you. Amen? But, but in the big picture, I mean, God is for you. He loves you. He loves you. But I know a lot of people that get mad at God about stuff. And, man, God is for us. Verse 11. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? <laughs> this, is, this is kind of where we're going to camp out at today. Right here. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Man. You know, everybody in this sanctuary right now knows what's going on in our society. We watch the see the news, we at least watch social media, we hear, if you listen to the radio, about things that's going on. I mean, we know there's a pandemic. Some of us today walked in with a mask on, and we just came out of, you know, that mandate. And so, I mean, we know all about that. We know that our world is turned upside down right now. We know that um, good has become bad, and bad has become good. We know they've kicked God out of uh, every, every place they've tried to kick him out of. And so we, we understand that things are just in a mess right now, don't we, church? I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it hadn't caught us by surprise. We see everything that's going on. We know everything that's going on. We have all these questions, right? I mean, we have all of this stuff that's come out of this pandemic. I mean, I can't get into the prisons anymore. I cannot do prison ministry hardly because of that still right now I mean I get to I think I've gone I think I've had two prison outreaches in two and a half years and every time we get to go in then something happens uh, COVID flares up again and it shuts us down just like it did last month couldn't get into a prison because of that I mean crazy things and so you know we ask ourselves I wonder if I'll ever be able to get back in and minister to the lost. Uh, and we have all these questions. You know, uh, some people have lost businesses, um, perhaps in some cities or perhaps just down the street in, um, I'll just go ahead and say Shreveport. I started to call it Little Chicago like my friends do. But, I mean, y'all see what I'm saying. I mean, we have all these questions. Um, um, I wonder if I'm going to get mugged if I go to the store or get shot if I go downtown. Um, 
Uh, what would happen if I get called in the middle of this peaceful protest gone bad? And we have these questions. I wonder if my kids are going to start back to school. I wonder if they've got to be vaccinated. We have all these questions. I wonder what the teacher is going to be able to teach them. Are they going to teach them critical race theory? What's going to happen? Are they going to talk to them about gender when they're six years old? What's going to happen? We have all these questions. Um, And what happens if I do get in trouble and call the police? Will they even come? Because in some cities, they won't come right now. Uh, what happens if the stock market crashes? Um, what, what happens if I get sick and I need to go to the hospital? Would there be a room in the hospital? Would they even be able to see me? What happens? Will I even be able to draw Social Security when I get older? What happens if, I, if the stores run out of food? Uh, what happens if hyperinflation continues to go up and up and up? What happens? What if? What if? What if? Let me just tell you this. I'm going to plant my foot solidly right here on this platform. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you today. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? I've had people, I've had inmates threaten me. And I'll straight up tell them from the get-go, what you going to do, threaten me with heaven? Come on. <laughs> I'll go in a heartbeat. I ain't ashamed to go to heaven. It's better than here. Why wouldn't I want to go there? Nobody going to threaten me with heaven. What can man do to me? You see, at 14 years old, at 14, that's when I repented of my sins. And by faith, placed my faith and trust in Jesus to become my personal Lord and Savior. That's when I got saved or redeemed or born again or however you want to put it. Immediately according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, I became a brand new creature on the inside. And according to Psalms 51.7, I was washed whiter than snow on the inside. Then the Holy Spirit stepped out of heaven and indwelled me. The Holy Spirit stepped inside of me, giving me the same power that raised Christ from the dead, giving me all the power to say no to any sin. Come on, somebody. That happened to me when I was 14 years old. And according to that, according to God's word, at that point I have the royal blood of heaven flowing through my veins. I'm a child of God the most high, grafted in instantly, um, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ to heaven, grafted into his family immediately. That's what Romans 8, 17 says, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. The Bible calls us saints redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who according to Hebrews 12 and 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the power of God. He says, for the joy set before him. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, He allowed himself to go to the cross for the joy set before. Do you know who the joy is? Come on, somebody. Do you know he died and gave himself up for the church? You, sir, you, ma'am, were the joy set before him. I was the joy set before him. How awesome is that? How cool is that? Wow. That's what Almighty God thinks about you. That's who you are. That's incredible. 
Romans 8.30, and these whom He predestined, He also called, and these, those He called, He also justified, and these whom He justified, He also glorified. Are you starting to get the picture here, church? Are you starting to get the picture here of those that are redeemed and bought with the blood and purchased by the Lamb of Jesus? Are you starting to see that, that He says we're fearfully and wonderfully made? Are you starting to get the picture that we are more than conquerors? Amen. That's who we are. That's who I am. My surrounding situations doesn't define me. My trials and tribulations doesn't define me. My, my stuff that I go through, those weary paths, those tears that fall to the ground, that, that horrible stuff that I have to face doesn't define me. Let me tell you who defines me. My God defines me. That's who defines me. My God defines me. Yeah, I'm fired up this morning, amen? Because that's what Jesus does to me. He just fires me up. I get excited about Him. But listen, we can't forget that. He defines me. He defines me. God defines me. Wow. I say it backwards. Wow. I'm just so excited that I get to preach an uplifting message to you guys. (laughs) Normally, I'm just, you know, preaching a message that we all walk out of here so convicted, you know, and everybody hates me after that, and nobody wants to invite me back, and I'm just glad God gave me a message today that I can preach that glorifies Him even more, and, and nobody's mad at me. I know, but we say there's so many problems. This virus is everywhere. We can't escape it. No, let me tell you who's everywhere. God's omniscient. God's ever-present. God's omnipotent. He's He's the one that's everywhere. And He tells us not to fear, right? He tells us not to worry. Remember over in Matthew chapter 6? Okay, I'll read it since you asked. In Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, hang on because I'm going fast. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life and to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? 27. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to, your, to his life? And why are you so worried about clothing? Observe how the, willies of the, field, the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, they do not spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so closes the, clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, little faith, he says. Do not worry then, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing. But the Gentiles eagerly eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That is the promise of God. Then he says in 34, So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That Matthew 6.33, that's the key that unlocks it. That's the key that unlocks all of that. You know what? I don't worry about um, my well-being. 
because all I know that I've got to each and every morning, if I wake up and I seek ye the first, if I seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, my well-being is going to be taken care of. Those things that I need, he's going to meet every one of my needs. He may not give me all of my wants, amen, but he'll meet all of my needs. That's his promise. But I have to wake up and put him first. I have to be kingdom-minded each and every day. And when I do that, all I got to do is let him take care of the rest. I'm not saying I can just sit on the couch and seek God, sit on the couch and not do the other things he's told me to do. I'm not saying that. He tells us to work. He tells us to, to be about witnessing. He tells us things. He gives us commandments to do. But that all goes with seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if I'm living for him, he's going to take care of me. Because he's for me. He's not against me. And if he's for me, who can be against me? I'm skipping over to Matthew chapter 10. Let me finish it up right here with this part right here. Matthew 10, 28 through 31. Hang on, I'm reading it fast. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear, he, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. That's what, he says you're way more valuable than a bird. You're more valuable than all of the birds. You're important to God. He created you. He made you. He sent His Son to die for you. Wow. Wow. It's very important to trust God and only God. So we don't need to put ourselves in a place that we trust in others or ourselves. I'm just going to break it down to you like this. If you place your trust in me, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I will fail you. I don't want to, but I will. I'm sorry to say that if you put all of your trust into your pastor, I'm telling you this, your pastor at some point will fail you. That's why we trust God. Because He'll never fail you. Man, I see people on Facebook sometimes, you know, and they'll post things like, you know, happy birthday birthday to my mom. She's the rock of my family. And um, uh, I love my son or, or, or my dad. He's my rock. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, I get it. I understand it. But don't do that. They will fail you. Who wants to have a rock that will fail you? I'm just saying it like it is. You know I'm going to speak the truth. If you want somebody that never fails you, put your faith and trust in Jesus. He's the true rock. He's the rock that never breaks. He's the rock that never shatters. I'm about to lose my Baptist card up in here. I thought seriously about making a few laps around the area. I'm telling you. He never fails you. He never fails you. He'll never fail you. 
Be careful who you put your trust in. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, God tells Israel that he'll choose their king, right? Israel's without a king. They're wanting a king. God says, hold on, let me choose him for you. I'll choose him. That's in Deuteronomy 17. But this is what God says about that man, about the king. But he's not to multiply horses for himself, nor for the people to increase horses. And the king, in verse 17, isn't to multiply his wives or greatly increase his wealth. Why? Because God says, your heart will turn away from him. Your heart. He says, let me pick him, but he's not supposed to increase all of his stuff. Because if he gets more stuff, then he's not going to trust me so much. He'll trust his stuff. Man, I see that so much living in the land of plenty in the USA. You know, I go to Brazil a lot, and before COVID, I went like nine years in a row, and I would go to the favelas, which is the slum areas. They're very poor, and, and I would just talk, Jesus, preach Jesus, and just share the gospel, and Many, many, many would just come to Jesus. They, they would just have so much faith. And, you know, they, these folks, they didn't have anything. They just placed their faith and trust in Jesus because they didn't have all of this stuff. Sometimes all of this stuff. You know, I go witnessing here in the United States sometimes. Don't, don't, nobody wants to hear it. They, we have too much stuff. Do you see what I'm saying? And that stuff will turn your heart away from him. God knows that. That's why he told the king, hey, hey, don't increase your wealth. Don't increase your horses. You'll be trusting your horses. You'll be trusting your army and not me. You know, sometimes, thankfully, God will allow us to get to a place in our life where he's all we got. And when he's all we got, he's all we can trust. And when he's all we can trust, I don't need anything else. You know, I believe in the Second Amendment, just like your pastor does. I'm a gun owner, just like your pastor is. We love to hunt and fish and things like that, so we have guns and ammo, right? But I got some friends of mine, they have taken this whole thing to a whole nother level. <laughs> they got enough guns and ammo in their homes, they could defeat Russia tomorrow. I'm just telling you. But where's the faith at in that? I mean, seriously, where's the trust at in that? Are they trusting God or are they trusting in their arms, in their ammo? Are they trusting in God or are they trusting in their ability to fight? And I understand that. I'm not saying don't have guns and ammo. Don't get that from me. I'm not saying that at all. But be careful what you place your trust in. Amen? I mean, we see that scenario from David and Goliath. I've preached on that here before. Remember, uh, David... In Psalms 20, verse 7, says, Some boast in chariots and some boast in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. See, David knew who to boast. He knew who to boast in, amen. Some boast in their some boast in their army, but he says, I'm gonna boast in the Lord. He knew who to boast in. Even when he came up against Goliath, even when youthful David, nothing but a youth, came up and faced Goliath, you know Goliath had the best armor. He had the best stuff. He had the best money could buy. You know Goliath was 
humongous, standing over nine foot. So he was placing all of his trust in himself, all of his ability and his strength. He had the whole backing of the Philistine army behind him. Listen, he was the warrior, right? He was the man, right? He had the biggest, best sword that could be made, the most updated, updated armor that you could have. He had all of that. He was putting his faith and trust in all of that. David had a sling and a few rocks. Of course, we know the rest of that story. David slews Goliath or slays Goliath with his sling and a rock, runs up, gets Goliath's sword, chops his own head off with his sword. So you can trust in your army. You can trust in your guns and ammo. But wow, I think I'm going to trust in who David trusted in. All he had was a rock and a sling. Yeah, I think I want to trust in God. Amen. He's trustworthy. He's never let me down. God has never let me down, not one time. Not one time. He's never lost a fight. He never loses a battle. He wins every one of them. I think I'll get him to fight for me. Amen, preacher. By the way, if you want to win your fight, if you want to win your battles, get on your knees. That's how we win our battles. That's how we win our battles. That's a great song, how we, how we fight our battles. Man, that's a good song. This is how we fight our battles. You win them by on your knees. You want to win, get on your knees. That's your win. That's how we fight. By the way, we have many battles right now. Just like, you know, pastor, I mean, just, you know, he's coming off of having COVID. You know, everybody here knows that. And, I mean, COVID is definitely a battle that we have to fight. Maybe the battle's cancer. Um, maybe the battle's other health issues. I got a lot of my friends that are just sick, you know. But I'm just telling you, he's still the great physician. He can still heal you, just like he did King Hezekiah. He can still do that. Lost your job, lost your business. God's got all the money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills. He has it all. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight, amen? That's how we walk. How are you walking? How are we walking? Are we walking by faith, not by sight? Okay, I'm going to close with this. Verse 10. I haven't talked about verse 10 yet for a reason, because I'm closing with it now. This is what it says. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. So in the middle of this weary path, after, according to verse 2 up in Psalms 56, let me just read a little bit of this. David says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me, fighting all day long, 
he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. Do you, do you, David is up against it right here. Man, he's in the middle of a fight and like he, he feels like he's losing. He's beat down. He's depressed. He's alone. He, he, he has no comfort. He has no rest. He has no peace. He's constantly looking over his back. People are out to get him. He's being hunted day and night. He's up against it right here. But this is what he does. He says, but you know what, God? I'm praising you anyway. I'm going to praise you anyway in the Lord whose word I praise. Even in the middle of a weary path, depressed, beat down, David says, you know what, God? I'm still going to praise you. I'm going to praise you because you're worthy to be praised. And he just breaks out in praise. And I'm telling you, if you will praise God during those times in your life when the world says you shouldn't be praising him, I'm telling you, you will have to, you know, I, I don't like preachers that preach, that preach on breakthroughs and stuff, but I'm telling you, when you praise him, when, you're not, when the world says you shouldn't be praising him, something's going to happen. Something's going to change. I could testify to that fact all day long up here and tell you story after story after story about when I didn't, you know, when I was beat down, but I just started praising God, and boom, he gave me the peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, and he really helped me through a situation. I can testify to that all day long, I'm telling you. When you, when you find yourself in it, when you're going through that fight, when you're in that trial, when you've when you're, when you're found yourself in that hard place, stop, get on your knees, and just praise God. Ooh. I don't know if he'll change your situation, but know this, he'll walk through it with you. <laughs> You'll come out of the fire not even smelling like smoke, amen? Man, that's what God does. In the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of COVID-19, in the middle of shutdowns and bad health, in the middle of whatever problem we face, God, we're still going to praise you. As Jonathan comes and plays something for our invitation here, he's going to play something softly for us. Y'all heard me say earlier that I went physically fishing. Yesterday, then I got home and went fishing again for a soul. You see, I had got a text message um, a couple of days ago. A friend of mine asked me if I would baptize him. And I said, oh, oh wow, you know. I said, well, um, I said, when did you get saved? He said, well, I think I was baptized when I was like seven. I said, okay. I said, well, walk me back to that day where you became saved or redeemed or born again. I said, walk me back to that day. He said, well, man, in his text, he said, I'm not really sure, but my mom, mom says I'm saved. And I said, I tell you what, man, why don't, why don't I come over and, and just talk to you face to face? I can't do this over the phone. He said, I'm out of town, but I'll be in Friday. I'll text you Friday. You can come over Saturday and talk to me. I said, okay. So he texted me. 
to yesterday evening, I met him at 4 o'clock at his house. And I got to talk to him about that day. That day where I talked about in Corinthians where you made a whole brand new creation. And that day where he says he washes you whiter than snow in Psalms. And that day when the Holy Spirit says he comes to indwell you. And I, I got to talk to him about that day. And he just really couldn't find that day. And he says, man, I, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do better. I'm, I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to do all of that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, dude, but the law, you know, God gave us the law basically to show us that we can't. We can't be perfect. And I said, you know what, bro, God, God's not going to let you into heaven if you're not perfect. Because God doesn't allow sin to walk into heaven. That's why he sent Jesus, his son, to go to the cross that you could be forgiven of your sins and once you become redeemed or born again or saved or however you want to put that, God casts your sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. And you're under the umbrella of Jesus from then and forevermore. He says you're sealed until judgment day. When he comes inside, he says he seals you. You cannot naturally undo what God supernaturally did. And I said, God is not a God of chaos. He said, well, perhaps I was saved and I've just, I've sinned and I've I've lost my salvation. I said, God is not a God of chaos. Think about it. Because, man, if I could have a bad thought, if I could think of of something that was, you know, sinful or, or did something sinful, I'd have to repent and ask God to, Forgive me and save me all over again. And I don't know about you guys, but, but Satan is shooting stuff into my mind quite often. And that's why he says, take every thought captive. You know, I'm supposed to kick it right back out. But man, I mean, that's a fight. That, that's a battle sometimes. And I, I said, if I, if I could lose my salvation and I'd have to get saved every time I, I have a, a crazy thought or something, man, I would be chaotic because I would be scared to literally move. I wouldn't get in my car and be afraid somebody's going to cross the center line. I, w- I wouldn't go to the store. What if I get robbed and I get caught in a drive I wouldn't move. It would be so chaotic. I said, listen, man, let me just be honest with you. Most people that question that day, that that most people that question that don't have that day. When I ask them, they say things like, I I say things like, hey, if you die today, would you go to heaven? Uh, I, I hope so. I believe I will. I think so. Really? You know, the Bible tells you that you can know for sure. If you ask me, I know for sure. Because I am indwelled by Almighty God. The Bible says, His Spirit testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of His. So you've got to get all that going on. He, He makes you new. He washes you clean. He indwells you. And then He testifies to your spirit that you're His child. I said, has that happened? He's like, man, I, uh, uh, he hem hard around. I said, listen, if you seek God, you'll find him. This is what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to leave here, but I want you to start praying that if you're not saved, for God to show you that. So he texted me at like 6 this morning. He said, man, I woke up. My first thought was I'm not saved. 
Actually, he said, I've been up all night, up and down, up and down, up and down. No rest, no peace, no comfort, can't sleep. All I can think about is I'm not saved. He said, so what I did was, man, I got on my knees and I, I called out to Jesus. He said, I got saved and I have the assurance now that I will go to heaven when I die. So I encouraged him to go to his church this morning, walk down the aisle um, um, at the invitation when his pastor gives it, and, and just to let everybody know that you gave your life to Jesus. And then you need to get baptized. I said, because at seven, all you did was get wet. It didn't mean a thing. You see, you, you don't put the cart before the horse. You don't put the wedding ring on before you say your vows. Hello, somebody. You get married and put the ring on as a symbol. You get saved, then you get baptized as the symbol. That's like the eunuch Peter went and talked to. Remember, he went and talked to him, and then he said, what keeps me from being baptized then? You know, he baptized him right there in the mud hole. After the fact. See, after the fact. So I want you to think about something real quick. I want you to go back to that day where you were born again. I want you to go, bow your heads for me. Bow your heads for me. I want you to go back in time right now to that day where you were born again. Because I'm asking you, hey, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? And if, you, and if you can tell me, man, I hope so. Man, I want to. Man, I believe I will. Man, I think so. I'm going to just tell you flat out, you ain't going. And listen, only you and God knows that. But if God lives inside of you, then His Spirit will testify to your spirit. You will know it. So why don't we reverently stand right now? Let's stand. Let's stand up. Just keep your head bowed. Stand up. Just keep your head bowed. Did you find that day? Could you find that day? Or did your mom tell you you were saved? Like my friend. I said, bro, that's great, but your mom can't save you. Only Jesus can do that. If you can't find that day, today is the day of salvation. God says, today is. He can save you today. He's put all the pieces of this together today for you right here, right now. Today, you can make the decision if he's knocking at your heart, if he's pulling you, if he's drawing you. I said, you can do that today. So this is what I want to tell you. If that's you today, if you couldn't find that day in your life, in your past, if you couldn't find it, this dude had been in church his whole life. He had gone to church. He goes to church every Sunday. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm asking you if you found that day and if you hadn't found that day and you want to get that right today, I want you to step out and come down here and give your life to Christ. Come on right now. Come on right now. Come on right now. But you're going to have to step. You're going to have to move. Come on right now. Anybody? 